0: Welcome to this week's Selk Grassroots podcast, The Final Whistle, brought to you by the Down to Play
1: app.
0: Grassroots football is finally back and we're buzzing. Get Down to Play today, the UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play.
2: You know, I had an experience as a 13-year-old, as a I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't really have um, a great relationship with my parents I remember one day and this may sound really silly and I I have said it before and it made me emotional a bit but I'll say it again I remember bouncing home one day because I think I was about 12, 13 I bought my mum her first birthday card okay 12, 13 I'm bouncing home as I was going home I don't even know where I got the money from, so let's not get into that debate at the moment. But I bought her a card. I bought her a card. Now, that may not be a massive achievement for many, but it was a massive achievement for me. It was my expression of love to my mum, who we didn't really connect really well, if you don't mind. I'm bouncing across the road. I've got the card in my hand. I've walked across, not a main road, but a side road that leads to a main road. And I'm bouncing. And oblivious to me, this car's come back. stop. Oh, wow. Okay. That was lucky. Uh, guy got out, took the card, ripped it up, threw it on the floor, said, You black C U N T, drove off. Now, I don't know how long, I've got to be on it I don't know how long I looked down at the card. I don't know how long. But I left it. I walked home. I was five minutes from home, uh, a bit emotional, went upstairs. Didn't even wish my mum happy birthday. Waited for my dinner. Said no more. Stayed with me since I was 12, 13. That was my first acknowledgement that, that actually I was different. Someone looked at me as different because they used the word black and the C word. And I looked at my skin for a very long time after that to understand why the colour of my skin was different to my white friends, my Greek friends, my, you know, who were, who were white-faced you know anyone could knock on my door they were my friends i remember my one friend kevin every time football ball down the road bam left footed really good player gary across the road they're white uh, you know i didn't look into anybody apart from they were my friends that's how i grew up but that day i, I was looking at my own skin thinking why am i different oh. 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 Oh.
0: Hello and welcome to episode 21 of the Final Whistle podcast with Ant Martin and myself, Nathan Sherrett. We're absolutely delighted today to be joined by uh, Head of Development from Kick It Out, Troy Townsend. And some of you might know Troy. And um, yeah, we're really delighted to have you, Troy. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about uh, what your role involves and, and what you what you get up to? Oh,
2: it may take the whole of the podcast <laughs> for me to do that. But yeah, um, thanks for having me on, by the way. Really, really privilege and a pleasure to be in with you guys. Um, So yeah, my title, um, Head of Development, let's park that there. I'm not sure what it means, but my work (laughs) is uh, educating um, players, parents, staff members in the academy environment. So anything from nines to the age of under 23s, staff and parents uh, around the topical issues that have existed for far too long, far many a year but there was never education delivered into that process, you know, so young people, young, young people first, I would say, developing into young players, you know, would not touch the topic of discrimination would not touch the topic of racism until they would experienced it. And that's not the right way to do it. You know, so we flip it around, we, we educate and, um, get their perspective as well. The challenges, the difficulties open up conversation, um, and to be honest with you, for the last six years, I think I created it. I've been blown away by the conversations that we've been having. Obviously, normally that would be in the environment. I'd go and visit them and we'd have a real honest and open kind of debate around the topic of the colour of your skin, your sexuality. Um, when has that ever been presented before into one so young, you know? And, and this obviously during the last, what is it now, 10 months, it's been via Zoom. Um, and what we've managed to do is a lot more is get parents sitting in, particularly with their, their younger ones, And actually, learning on the go and open up that kind of discussion as well. So that's an element of my job. Um, The other element is when these situations happen, and the wave of stuff that's happening on social media now is to be a supportive person to the to the players. You know, so any player victimised by predominantly racism at the moment is the big focus, based on the colour of one's skin. Um, It's me reaching out and you know providing that level of support that they may have internally. But I'm the person they speak to, uh, hopefully, outside that environment that maybe can bring something a little bit different to their full process. Um, I also run the mentoring program. So this is why I say head of development. What does it mean? I run the mentoring program. We run a mentoring uh, program called Raise Your Game. We have a number of events that obviously have been impacted again by COVID. But those events have been empowering. Refereeing is actually one of our disciplines that we mentor on. Um, And we normally get some really good representation and it's about, you know, entry level or even higher into trying to get people to understand the roles and opportunities that exist in football, but really to help people to try and get on that ladder or get up higher in the game. So, I mean, the mentors we have are amazing. They're unbelievable. The support system I've had for that program has been off the scale. And many people say, well, you know, football and those that work in football don't give back. Well, I found that they always give back and are always keen to give back as well, no matter what field they're working in. So, yeah, that's a little nutshell. I won't bore you with the other little bits and pieces that that help knit it all together. But that's a little nutshell of my job role, anyway.
0: I found it really interesting what you were saying there. Try and. Um you know, I, I wrote a, a piece last uh, summer, it would have been uh, in the aftermath of sort of the George, George Floyd thing. And he touched on sort of diversity and, 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 and things like that. And I wrote sort of the three part piece on, on the 13 blog about um, sort of sexual orientation, uh, you know, sort of sexism generally, and, and, and racism. And one of the things that, that really caught my attention was the fact that I think at the time of writing it was before Sam Allison had been promoted to the Football League's referee and um, and so I think we're at a period of about 11 years that we hadn't had a black referee in the middle and, and I know we've had a lot of diversity uh, in regards to assistant referees and that there have been a lot of diversity certainly um, you know that, that's been in terms of assistant referees and, and lower down the skill. But I think for for young, black and mixed race kids such as myself, to not be able to see, in effect, people who look like us mm-hmm. running around in the middle in, 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 in football on, on football pitches as referees, I think that does ask a lot of questions about whether it's actually possible. And, and I saw, when I did some research, I saw Joel Mannix uh, mm-hmm. in an interview with Darren Lewis on CNN talk about, you know, there's a graveyard for black referees where they can't get beyond a certain level and things like that so i just kind of wondered what what kind of your view was that was what your view was on that as somebody who's sort of working in that field more predominantly with players but haven't seen it with referees that'd be so, so long 11 years
2: the easiest way for me to compare it and liken it is to the lack of representation in regards to black managers black coaches You know, so if you compare the fact that we always bounce between five, six, down to two, up to one. Keith Curl was sacked the other day. Uh, Alex Dyer left Kilmarnock. I always liken the the, the official situation as very similar because it seems like there's a bottleneck. There's a progression at a very fast rate almost. And then all of a sudden, there's a a point where someone or something, a court goes in. And you're not allowed to, 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 to climb the ladder anymore. You know, I have the privilege of Joel Maddox attended an event of mine, um, uh, challenging racism in football. It was a couple of years ago, and we had a real open forum in terms of we had football stakeholders, we had ex players, current players, community groups, um, everyone you wish to be represented in that environment was in the environment. It was held at the BBC, so it's a massive plug there. And we we're all just sitting in a in a in a uh, in a style where we're all facing each other. Not in a challenging way. So I'm the the host, and everyone half circle. Everyone's facing into each other. So really getting a feel of the stories that people are presenting. You know, and and Joel stood up, and anyone that knows Joel, when he stood up, you kind of back down a little bit, didn't you? You move away and you go, wow, you know. And he spoke about his experience as an official. Now I thought when he did that, remember this was it was two years ago, uh, round about this time. If it was March two years ago, we presented some stories from players. Um, about their you know, journeys and, and the difficulties that they face. And Joel stood up and spoke, and we did a little section on refereeing. And remember I said we had the authorities in the room that day. I cannot believe that the authorities wouldn't have addressed the problem then. Listen to this man speak. Listen to his experiences. Listen to what he said was, I feel like you know, I'm not progressing at the rate I should. Um, I don't see the visibility of someone who can actually talk to me about their experience. And I can't believe that football didn't catch it then. I mean, by the way, we're talking 2018, 2019. I'm trying to forget what year we're in now, but it shouldn't have to have had that nudge then anyway, because you've, you know, like you've said, Nave, you Rennie from when? So many years ago. Yeah,
0: and he was but a it, international official as well. It's not as if he was just, you know, on the lower leagues. This is a high profile Premier League referee.
2: Exactly. But what, uh, what I'd like to say is, is actually that, you know, we see the representation on the pitch. We now not, don't question representation on the pitch. But for some reason, like I said, the bottleneck, and, I, and people can deny this if they want, exists. Now, whether that exists, listen, I, I, I'm not, <laughs> me and Martin will get into this later, but everyone knows kind of what I'm like. The officials are not my thing. I, I used to be a coach. I used to be a player. Did I have rant with rants with officials? Of course I did. As a coach, did I call officials out sometimes? Of course I did. I'd like to think that I did it respectfully, you know, and I'm not going to reveal his name, but there was one from my, uh, journey as a, as a player into a coach who said to me, I had the best times, um, coaching you, uh, sorry, refereeing you and your teams. And when you became a coach, you know, I had the best, and I didn't know how to take that as if like he dominated me or the fact that we were respectful. Mm. And in the end he said, no, Troy, it was fun. It was enjoyable, you know? And, and so there's my connect with officials. I don't think that I've ever disrespected it in a way that I see some, what happens now and what's happened in the past. Mm. But for me, I've got to be honest the journey of being a black official, uh, uh, a dual heritage official, uh, a South Asian official, uh, uh, you know, you kind of look at it and think, well, look at all the abuse that everyone gets. Why would I want to tamper that by introducing myself into that, the middle, the position of authority and almost get more of that based on the color of my skin. Do I look around and think that I'd get the support systems that I, I should get. And then the thing about the blockage—if we cannot address the blockage in this—the blockage in this day and age—then we're never, never going to see the progression of, of you know, officials from underrepresented groups come through the system. We're lauding Sam Allison, and I actually think, why are we lauding him? What, 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 what? Because we've got one through the system—happy days. But why are we lauding that? We should fundamentally look back and think, what is the problem? What is the process that is denying, I've used it, denying the officials the opportunity to progress in their field, in their given field? We don't want, you know, I I don't want to be disrespectful at all here, but I'm tired and fed up of the initiatives that says, right, let's go and seek more black and Asian. That is not the way to address the issue. The way to address the issue is go back to its start point and fundamentally ask inside the circle, what's the problem? Are they poor? They're not good. Can they not serve us in the right manner? Um, You know, what is the problem? Until you can address that, we can have a million initiatives. Get, I don't know, hundreds of of, of officials through, speak to them, talk to them. And then when they get to the point where the cap's been put on, some of them will just walk away. Some of them will go, no, I'm going to fight this, but maybe they're fighting the journey alone. So stop the initiatives Ask internally why, what is going on, and if the game really does want to change, if it really does want to have better representation, then it would ask the most difficult of questions inwardly, you know. And listen, a non-league manager. One or two black uh, uh, assistant lines, but we just call them linesmen. Then they weren't. We didn't have the fancy terminology then, so they were linesmen. All of a sudden, they become your friends. Because do you know what? They're actually they, they. I know how difficult it is for them to do their job, as much as they know how difficult it is for me to be a coach in the industry. Yeah. So we actually just became friends, because that's what you did. You identified with people, and you knew that somewhere along the line they were going to have a tough time. So every time you know, Dave, I won't say his last name, would come in. How are you doing? that? As things. Are you all right? I oh, try, man. It's tough this gig, you know. Do you know what I mean? And maybe I didn't even actually acknowledge it as maybe I should have done then growing up as a manager, as a coach, because, you know, you want to look after your own, you want to make sure that, you know, I'm doing what I'm doing. You know, if, if you want to be official, that's up to you, but you kind of respect it more. And when I recall those stories and realize that, you know, I used to manage our games, uh, ref our games as well. And I was just thinking, God, did I give it a hard time? Did I suit the narrative that has been created by many, you know? Um, and that's me. I'm just being, I, I will be as open as possible as I can be today because we, we can all learn from, if we're, if we're guarded, there's no point, there's no point having me on. There's no point doing it, you know? So that would be my take on that for sure.
3: Well, that's brilliant because the ties are lovely, but a couple of things that I've learned by by having conversations with, with, with people like yourself from the community that I, I i almost feel like it's an alien community to me because what i was b- brought up in there, there was there was no, no no black people in Anfield, where i was born up in, in a really poor area and then a family came in and the, and i seen the reaction of everyone was there and there was two girls in there and you we were both brilliant at football. We used to play in the streets, which no one else does now, do you play in the street? <laughs> and, I, and I said, you, Yeah, come and play with us. And some of the lads, oh, Well, don't want to play with them. I said, Well, we're with the black. I said, but They're really good at football. <laughs> they're really, really good at football. And I, I experienced it really on, which ties in with that unsubconscious bias, yeah. which, which gets so you don't know you do it. And then I remember reading an article about how, how the, the scribes, you touched on it with your irony. I did games, your irony. You had this presence about him. Now, if you've got a presence about you as, as a white man, that's fine, confidence. If you've got a presence about you as a black man, you're arrogant. And I've seen this at many stages in my life, and I felt it never until I got involved more into it and realizing it. Even how he described, oh, he's a, he's a big unit. If it's yeah. a black man, he's a big beast. And I've seen all these little tiny things thinking, why Why isn't he just a big unit? <laughs> why? Because he's black, he's a yeah. big be- and it was all these little subtle things that I started looking into it. And then I reversed it with people. And then when we had our, our, our Twitter exchange, which was brilliant, and I wish everyone could challenge each other like you challenged me. In the yeah, it was midnight. World. It was midnight though,
2: Martin. I it think everyone else brilliant. was
3: asleep. <laughs> it was brilliant, brilliant, really. For me, it was powerful because you're a parent. You've got a son in football. We, 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 you, If someone was doing something to your son, particularly because of his role, you would be defensive about it. Well, I experienced that. From the hotline we've got, we were the first organization to start up a national hotline. I get parents phoning me, going, I've been told by the FA not to say anything if, if someone's threatening my child. I've been told, don't get involved, we'll deal with it. The systems will kick in place to look after you. It clearly doesn't happen. So I started seeing a synergy with regards to uh, the back community and all the communities involved from, from those backgrounds and, and a referee who engages with all of those collectively, yeah. not individually with their own challenges. And then, but that's fair game. You put on a referee's uniform and some people, oh, that's fair game, it's okay. It doesn't matter the black, white, Chinese, anything. It's the role they're in. You go on and you, and you, yeah, and you put a kiss on and that's it, no matter what you are. And then I had a, I had a chat with um, someone about uh, homophobia and, and, and about being gay in, in our game. And they said to me, I can escape from being gay. I can go on a football pitch as a referee. And unless I tell people I'm gay. Yeah. They, I, but my friends can't hide from being a black man or a black woman. I can't hide. I can't pretend to be white. Like someone can sort of pretend, if that's the right word, not to be gay. And I think those sort of conversations need to be had as well, because they're all a protective characteristic. But unless you grade them, I'm not going to say grade, or that's more important than others. But it's a different view on how we abuse somebody because of what they are.
2: Do you know what you said there, Martin? You said, prote- they, you're right. They're a protected characteristic. I would actually say they're supposed to be a protected yeah, characteristic. In my journey in life, first and foremost, I've never felt protected for being black. In my journey in football, where I should be protected because we've got governance in this game, I've never felt protected from being black, by being black, whether it's as a player, uh, whether it has been a coach. So I'm looking after, a, a, a you know, my, my coaching circles were, first of all, I ran my own academy. Uh, um, and those young players are in my care. I'm the parent of those players while they're in my care, whether it be through the non-league circle that I was managing in and whether it be in my role at Kick It Out. I don't feel protected as a black person. So you say protected characteristics and you're right to highlight that. But when does the game acknowledge that actually you are supposed to be protecting us? I don't want to talk about... I I, I can talk about all those other characteristics because I have done and always will speak up as an ally for so many other people and for so many other groups who who have been victimised because of this game. But in my experience, this game actually doesn't seem to care that I'm I'm a black man or black people have experiences that have existed for far too long that actually the game should have stamped out many, many years ago or at least spoken up and been more proactive about. So it's great statements coming out. I'm beyond the statement stage. I'm beyond the word stage. You know, if you don't value and respect me for what I contribute to the game, just tell me, just tell me. Don't don't come out with this, all this stuff. And, you know, like I said to you, these initiatives and people will knock up. By the way, we get knocked a hell of a lot. You know, we were formed as let's kick racism out of football. And people say, well, what have you done in 28 years of let's kick racism out of football, by the way? And then obviously we're kicking out. We tackle all four. So we're, you know, we're criticized as well. We're a small charity that I believe, and I'll say this to anybody, punches above its weight. We're not one of the authoritative figures. We've not got bundles of money. Our dedicated staff work hard to try and make change in the game. And we'll get battered for it. I'll be honest with you, we'll get battered for it, that we're not doing enough. There's no point of us. But you know what? Ever since Black Lives Matter has been around, and I'm sorry if I've, I've moved the topic a little bit, all of a sudden now, these wave of people who in the past would have gone, oh, that kick it out, are now saying, oh, no, you should support kick it out rather than Black Lives Matter, which tells me so much about a lot of these individuals, you know? So sorry for transgressing. Martin, I that conversation we had, If you if you don't mind me going back there the reason why it was important at 12 midnight, whatever time it was, um, and I remember it was a Monday night, by the way, so that's how much it stayed with me, was because, one, first and foremost, we were so respectful mm. in terms of our views and opinion. You, I mean, you flagged me up, you highlighted something to me, and you said, "Try, you know, in your position, I don't think, you know, what you've done there, you've kind of fanned the flames. Mm. And sometimes I don't acknowledge that. People think that I've, you know, that... I don't see myself as this guy who, who you know, talks on behalf of people, but maybe some people do. Yeah. And I don't think we realise our influence as well on others. And I think that was the thing you was highlighting to me. I've got to be honest, at the beginning, I thought, Martin, you really think of me like that? Is like, I've got to be honest. Do you know what I mean? You you really think that I would look to fan the flames of, of others. But what you did identify is the fact that, no, Troy, it's not that. It's potentially you could because people listen to you and you influence And I'm still at midnight going, me, influence, are you mad? You know, I say my bit, I think people are fed up on my voice. But we have to, I can't take that during the good time. So when people say, oh, Troy, fantastic what you said. I'm, I'm pleased that you're talking up. I can't take it at those points and then ignore it when it gets flagged up by a friend. You know, we're fighting two different battles, but we're fighting the same battle. They're not different, actually. They're the same battle, you know, in terms of, underrepresentation in terms of disrespect and disregard and in terms of actually challenging the hierarchy to do better so we're on the same page actually it's just your page is here and my page is over there so when you turn it over you turn to me when you turn back you turn to you so the value and the power of that conversation for anyone that wanted to to read it was important it was yeah and that's why I jumped on Twitter to have engagement with like-minded people or to influence others, or to, to try and, you know, say that we can disagree, but agree, and then also to say that we can be respectful about that. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the platform should be used for. For me, that's, you know.
3: Yeah, and it, it's how you responded back to me, you, you and then I was going back, and we were, and, and I was leaning, I was thinking, God, I don't think he gets it, and that's one of the problems, <laughs> isn't it? It's like having gone and picked the phone up and go away, hey, mate, and but it's, it, and I, I, and then I wish you had told me at the time. Sure,
2: you're just not getting what I'm saying, <laughs> are you?
3: <laughs> and then when you you were saying, I was thinking, yeah, and right, and then what was clear is that that's how debate should be done, you, and what people the people think. I'm not going to change, you're you're wrong. Then it gets more personal. And then even by going on, and I won't name names, even we have people who have worked in high-profile positions in refereeing. Sleep, get personal with referees. They've got a voice. And that's what we were trying to say. We we need a voice, don't we? You need a voice for what you believe in and you're really passionate about. And I'm the same with referees. It's the voice that we haven't got. And then you get people who's been in a position of authority in refereeing. Then slagging off referees. Yeah. Days later, then saying what a shame it is that there's, there's been death threats it Was right back to your point. Right back to your which, point.
2: Yeah, which was you know, you mentioned that word passionate, and I always I'm a little bit when people say, "Oh, you're passionate, Troy," aren't you? I'm not passionate, by the way. If I come across as passionate, that's it. Not pa- I've been affected, so I've been racially abused on more than enough occasions to know it's not passion. It's because I've been affected and I don't want other people to be affected. And like you, Martin, you've been a referee, guys, referee. And actually, is it a passion or is it a fact that that is your, that's that's your gig. That's what you do. And so because you stand up for what you believe in and you will always look, your first point is protect first. Then actually, for me, it's not a passion. Passion is me like getting my favorite drink and drinking it, you know, every night. At, I don't do this, by the way. But yeah. every night at 10 o'clock, do you know what I mean? Because I need a tipple to calm me down. My passion is for my favorite drink. This is not a passion. I, I've been driven into this space. Why have I been driven into this space? Because I've had a theme of racism from ever since I could understand what racism meant. And maybe even before that, but I've not acknowledged it. So if I've had that theme, and then people in my care have had that theme. And then, like you've mentioned, my son has had that theme. This it's gone beyond passion. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what sometimes when I talk, people, oh, you're really passionate, Troy, aren't you? It's almost like patting me on my head a little bit. Yeah. I don't want pats on my head. And yeah. I'm not directing at you, I'm directing that sometimes when I'm in boardrooms, or sometimes when I'm I'm having meetings, and people say, we can see your passion. No, I'm trying to tell you the impact. Yeah, don't blur the lines, you know.
3: Yeah, I'm learning again. You're bloody teaching me again, Troy. You're, <laughs> you're teaching me to be a better. It's player. only because you schooled me that Monday night. <laughs> <and> that's why. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're schooling me, here. Yeah. And and I get it. I get it because I formed a charity. Everyone laughed at me. Well, it's charity for referees, and I'm affected. I I did that because I was affected by what happened yeah. when I worked within that structure. And, and, and yeah, and that gives me my passion. Even an influence I had on my wife. Yeah purely because of my job with the FA. That's, that's, that's my, that's my effect And I've never thought of, of, yeah, it could come across as passionate, but I was affected by people, people within organisations not treating people fairly. I do take phone calls with grown men who are saying, I was in the army for 15 years. I could kick that lad's head in. But I chose not to because I I believe in my role. And then they get upset. And so, yeah, I think you're right. We should be, I'll use that line again and I'll give you credit
2: for that because it is. isn't <laughs> Please do, because I think normally it falls on deaf ears. Uh, but, you know, you put that all together and, and, and again, uh, you know, we're triggering each other here. You mentioned emotion as well. And being abused is an emotional journey. It's not a one-stop, oh, that's a comment, deal with it, crack on the next day. It's an emotional journey. And, you know, I was on with a, I won't name the club, I won't name the lad. He's only young, but I was on him with him yesterday and he said something to me yesterday that I would never have been able to have said as a 17-year-old. He'd been racially abused and said, I'm going to have to live with this for the rest of my life. That's the impact. 17. yeah. And the way that he'd put it across, you know, I stopped a little bit. I say it. I'm 50 plus. No one cares. He's 17. I'm going to have to live with what happened in a particular game for the rest of my life. He said to me, got on with the game. Everything was cool. And then he, and I'm thinking, Ooh, okay, he's dealt with this well. And then he said, but I'm going to have to live with the, uh, listen, the monkey chance, the, 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 the player who was abusing him throughout the whole game. I remember it like it was yesterday and it was five years previous. And the fact that he'd had the confidence, the power to come out and say it to me when he said it's gonna, it's, it will be with me for the rest of my life. That's the impact. That's the impact that we've got to stop. You know, and and even if people don't want to listen to me anymore because I'm too old, I've I've cut my hair today, so there's no grey in it. Mm-hmm. Um,
3: Magnolia, It's <laughs> Magnolia, not grey. <laughs>
2: <laughs> listen to the voice of a seventeen-year-old. Listen to the voice of. You know, I have the privilege, and I've got to say this, it's a massive privilege when I sit, I sit in on sessions and I hear young players talking to me about their experiences. Because one of the things I regret was that I could never do that when I was young. So I carried the weight on my shoulders. I didn't have an open perspective. Listen, I don't come from a great family background. I, I kind of, my journey into the game, out of the game, and back into the game was lived by myself. I had no one to turn to. So when people were calling me the N-word, when people were, you know, I had an experience as a a 13-year-old. I didn't have a lot of money and I didn't really have um, a great relationship with my parents. I remember one day, and this may sound really silly and and I have said it before and it made me emotional a bit, but I'll say it again. I remember bouncing home one day because... I think it was about 12, 13. I bought my mum her first birthday card. Okay? 12, 13. I'm bouncing home. As I was going home, I don't know where I got the money from, so let's not get into that debate at the moment, but I bought her a card. I bought her a card. Now, that may not be a massive achievement for many, but it was a massive achievement for me. It was my expression of love to my mum, who we didn't really connect really well, if you don't mind. I'm bouncing across the road. I've got the card in my hand. I've walked across not a main road, but a side road that leads to a main road. And I'm bouncing. And oblivious to me, this car's come back, stopped. Ooh, wow. Okay. That was lucky. Uh, guy got out, took the card, ripped it up, threw it on the floor, said, You black C U N T, drove off. Now, I don't know how long, I've got to be honest, I don't know how long I looked down at the card. I don't know how long, but I left it. I walked home. I was five minutes from home. Uh, a bit emotional. Went upstairs. Didn't even wish my mum a happy birthday. Waited for my dinner. Said no more. Stayed with me since I was 12, 13. That was my first acknowledgement that, that actually I was different. Someone looked at me as different because they used the word black and the C word. And I looked at my skin for a very long time after that to understand why the color of my skin was different to my white friends, my Greek friends, my you know who were who were white faced. You know anyone could knock on my door; they were my friends. I remember my one friend Kevin. Every time football ball down the road, bam, left footed, really good player. Gary across the road, they're white. Uh, you know I didn't look into anybody apart from they were my friends. That's how I grew up. But that day. I I was looking at my own skin thinking, why am I different? And it stayed there with me forever and ever. Why am I different? You know, so that's why I go back to, it's not a passion. Mm -hmm. That's why I go back to how I've been affected by it. And that has defined, in a sense, who I am. And for some reason, ending up at Kick It Out, And doing the challenges and battles that I do has almost been defined from when I was a teenager. It's just it didn't materialize until, you know, I was deep into my 40s. But And that's the reason why I would always, always, and I don't care whether you're, whatever background you're from, whatever culture you're from, whatever, if I can help, I, I often put myself in situations where actually I know I can't help. But I do it because why should people have a lone voice? And that's why, when you bring up about the, you Nate, know, when you say about the, the struggles and battles for, you know, underrepresented referees in this environment, I can't get my head around that. I can't get my head around why is there not more black coaches. I can't get my head around how people look at us and think we don't want their sort in there. And that's come on, let's be honest. That's how conversations are. You know, I cannot get my head around it. Then I see something like, and I'm going to say this, and people will probably slaughter me later, I see something like Greg Clark's words to the DCMS committee, you know, calling coloured, calling Asians who, you know, they prefer to work in IT, talking about referencing gay people and talking about and And I'm thinking... If he can say that live, public, by the way, what are the conversations like behind closed doors? Exactly. You know, I know I'm talking a lot and I'm sorry. I, I, it, it hurts me. It hurts me to think that he led the FA for four years.
0: Does it hurt you also, Troy, though, to think about the fact that potentially he's having meetings at Wembley FAHQ and there are people and he may be talking about this in behind closed doors meetings and this kind of stuff's not being challenged?
2: We can't judge it. We can't judge it and we'd be wrong to judge it. But it'd also be wrong not to have it go through your thought process, wouldn't it? So we can't label anything at anyone, you know, because I'll be up on disrepute charge. They love putting me up on disrepute charges anyway, so bothered. But, it has to go through our thought process. It goes through our psyche, doesn't it? If you're prepared to say it publicly, yeah. what happens behind closed doors?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm not just saying in, within that environment, I'm talking about all environments. Yeah. So until we are accepted as human beings, until we are accepted for the quality or whatever we bring to the game, where are we going to see change?
0: I just think it's unbelievable because, to be honest, Troy, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up
2: your arse here. Oh, please don't, because it would never go up there anyway. (laughs) I
0: I genuinely think, right, about it from, like you say, a playing perspective. You know, um, I'm a Newcastle United fan, and I think about when your son played for Newcastle United, how much enjoyment he gave me watching him, short period of time. I also think about someone who else else you might know very well, and I assume you do know very well, Chris Hilton. How much appreciation he gave me yeah. when he was managing our team, and and I, and I just think you know that, that there's so much appreciation that 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 people can can give you. I, I really appreciated from a from a distance the job that Darren Moore did at West Brom, and I I couldn't understand again. This is this is just my my musing, I can't understand how he's managing in League One now after the work he did to to almost save an unsavable position from, from West Bromwich Albion and that's why when I managers which you've sort of said a little bit like the referees in the position there's a lot of things that I just I can't understand why why this you know things are the way they are
2: if I'll get criticised for being openly sharing my opinions around Chris Hewton I'll get criticised for openly sharing my opinions on Darren Moore Um because I think they need to be discussed and spoken about. Um, the Newcastle, the, you know, I've, I've... that Newcastle experience shows me about how much good people are in, the, in there are in and around football. You know, I went up to St. James's Park, Andrews's debut was against, it was against Everton, but we won't talk about that, got absolutely battered, by the way. Yeah. Um, but the first one at St. James's Park, I went up to Newcastle that day, not knowing what to expect. Got in the ground empty you know 55,000 and this place doesn't look like it's going to get about 10 but I looked over the city I just thought wow by the time three o'clock came and that whistle blew and the roar the raucous roar of those fans I had a little chill in me And just played well one it seemed like there's an instant attraction but let me talk about it from a parental perspective a black man coming into the environment And by the way, I know the history around Celez and Andy Cole and whatever, else. but still there's a little bit of trepidation about being accepted. And people were so warming. They didn't know who I was, but all of a sudden they started to, I wonder if he's like Andres' dad. They were so warming and welcoming. He scored the goal against Crystal Palace, the free kick. And there's a guy who was sitting down there, he just looked at me with almost the same pride that I had. And I was like, how can you have that? But he was, it was immense pride. Yeah, and he went to me. Told you. Yeah, and I smiled. And then the one other story. Troy,
0: because when when I think about Andros in a black and white shirt, that's the moment that that's the, the moment that yeah, so it yeah. was a great free kick. Good it was kick. so important. Trying to stay in the Premier League, I just it sticks with me that and it will do yeah. forever.
2: And there was one other moment I just wanted to share. So after that game, the next day we 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 stay over the weekend. Yeah, and all of a sudden. I'm becoming like, you know, I've become part of the Geordie clan. You know, and I, it felt good. We were in a very nice area. Um, and I go Sunday morning for the papers, yeah, because you know what's gonna be in the papers and it's pouring down with rain, but I've gone, Do you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna get the papers. I'll see you all in a minute. I've gone up to the paper shop. And the, the the shop owner, I imagine, or the shopkeeper. Whether, I don't know what we call him anymore. To be fair, I don't know what is the acceptable term to to call someone who's who's behind the counter of a shop. And I've picked up ten papers. She's gone to me. You look like a footballer. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, not me. Not I said, nah, not me, not anymore. She got the back. She goes, why have you got so many papers? And it was inquisitive in such a lovely way, and I didn't want to say anything, right? I've got, oh, you know, I'm just interested. I'm up for the weekend. I'm just interested in blah blah blah. Yeah, there's something you're not telling me, isn't there? I was like, no, 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 I'm just inquisitive. We had a ten minute conversation. <laughs> the queue was outside the door. No one was moaning, and I left. I'd say, see you later. I see you next week. Bye. And it was, and everyone kind of like was looking at me as I walked out, but not horribly in a really nice way. Yep. They're all listening to the conversation. I couldn't do that in London. Yeah. I couldn't do that in London. All hell would have broken loose in London. But the fact that they, she she, she was inquisitive, but she wanted to talk and the queue was there. And people say, well, try that happens. up." But for me, it just showed that it didn't matter whether I was black. It didn't matter that, you know, I was taking up their time. It was just a conversation that everyone was interested in. Yeah. It was about, and in the end, we were talking a little bit about Newcastle. And then I thought, I, I actually said, that I could live here. Mm. I actually said it. I could live here, yeah. you know. And so it was gutting when he left. And listen, I, I see the critical bits. I see the the bits where fans have said they want him back. And there was no one more hurt than Andros that the club went down. Yeah, you know, there was no one. And and do you know what? There was no one more. I I, I it was deflating because we we watch thirteen games, you know, and we go everywhere. it Doesn't matter where it is, we go everywhere. You know so we saw the high moments. We were at the villa game, the nil-nil, the one that yeah. said, Yeah, that's it, it's all over. Sorry, we've turned this to Newcastle, by the way. I hope you don't mind. It's
3: um it was
2: just it was a great experience. It was short, it was sweet, it was unfortunate at the end, but it was just such a great experience. And anyone that wants to question his desire in those 13 games if any and some have said look he took the cheap way out or whatever else yeah. listen they're fans they have, they can have that mm-hmm. say but I tell you we absolutely loved it and embraced it and I only wish that you know that Villa result was different yeah. I even remember Colbeck missing a chance Mitrovic missing a chance 1-0 yeah. yeah. was good enough we stay up yeah.
0: I just think it was, I think it was a mutual feeling. You know, when you talk about Andros' disappointment at at having to go, we were disappointed that he had to go. Um, Because I think, I think back as well, there was a big defeat at Chelsea and there was a big defeat at Southampton before they turned it round. And even there, you could see this lad standing out, head and shoulders above the rest, scored two world-class goals. And you're thinking, you know, if we could get a decent half-decent Team together here that would play around him. Play around, yeah. It would, it yeah. Would, it would, we could have made a big difference, and that's why I think it was. There's a mutual disappointment. I think it's
2: really. If thi- I think we could fill up the whole of this yeah. podcast with those new memories. <laughs> sorry, guys.
1: Sorry. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take this opportunity. If we're going to move on from Newcastle, you probably could <laughs> talk for ages. But I've I've sat here for 40 minutes, like a, just a, a, a mesmerised audience member. I could listen to the, these sorts of conversations for so long. I think anyone could, to be honest. Um, I just want to pick up on two things that have been mentioned. First of all, Twitter. If everyone used Twitter in the way that Troy and Martin did with your exchange between each other, it would be the most positive, um, excellent tool for for progressing uh, opinions and thoughts and all that sort of stuff. And it's such a shame that... I mean, a lot of the work that we three, myself, Martin, Nathan, do is on social media. Without social media, uh, we wouldn't be able to get our messages out there. Like We wouldn't be able to create the support communities that that we do. Um, But at the moment, it seems to have regressed into this horrible, spiteful, nasty, toxic toxic place um, that... With, with uh, and it, it's going to come up uh, in the next few weeks, I think, as well, because there's just been a massive kind of uh, signed document by a lot of key stakeholders in the game of uh, the Premier League, the Football Association, various different uh, clubs and individuals have, have put pressure on Twitter and social media to say, you need to do something about your platform to stop these anonymous people abusing anyone else. Like, there needs to be actual physical punishments to the people that are doing this not just ban their accounts cuz they'll make a new one and they carry yeah. on as normal um and i just want to say in in the same way that that twitter in this instance can be so powerful and positive the way you guys used it it can be so negative and nasty for the way it's used in 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 other ways and it seems like you say when there's an argument on there people very quickly forget what the point of the argument was and then they attack yeah. the person making the arguments. Uh, yeah. And that's, yeah. that's just, it is it is what it is, think, but it's I horrible think, and I something think, needs to happen.
2: No, I think you're right. And I think that was the probably the good thing of having our conversation so late, we could just have the conversation and, and actually there were not many people wading in or they were just liking what we were saying rather than actually joining in and bringing their own, I'm going to say ignorance into it. Mm. The positivity thing is everything that, we've all spoken about you know football's a everyone knows football's a, a big big industry but actually it's quite small everyone seems to know everyone I've created such a connect with people that I listen here today would I have created that without social media would have we been you know eventually we may have done you know crossed emails because referees kick it out yeah and we have done in the past but would it have been as strong if it wasn't for social media would you really understand me and would I understand you if it wasn't for social media? So actually, there are so many positives about the platform and the engagement that it gets and the, the the people you, you know, are connected to someone else who's connected to you and then you go full circle. And the reason why it's such a topical issue now about all the regression and the negative stuff is because we've been talking about it for so long. There's a lot of people that think the hate on social media has just arrived. And, and you know, I could take them back to... Uh, Tammy Abraham's missing the penalty against Liverpool in this Euro Euro Super Cup final and the abuse that he received that he didn't see, but his mum saw it. You know, I could take you back to a couple of years before that. So what we're saying is we're tired because everyone's going, you know, it's almost like social media is using us as if we're a little bit, you know, maybe we don't know so much. So they're now saying, oh, look what we've created. We're saying, but hold on a minute. This platform, with all the technology that it has, I'm not a tech guy, by the way, but the minute I do something on my Mac that is complicated, I celebrate it, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't understand how these platforms cannot just stop saying the things that they feel we want to hear. We're done listening to that now and just start creating the change that we want to see. I'm not sure about the impact of the signed letter. Let's be mm-hmm. serious. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, they're American-owned businesses, they don't care about little what, sports people in England. They don't really care about it. Hate has existed on those platforms forever and a day. And until it impacts on, until there's some kind of change, and I was told changing some kind of wording in America that holds them to account, then we can talk as much as we want. Mm. You know, this harms bill, when's it going to happen? I, that's what I want. You know, if the harms bill is going to come in the summer, at least we know. You know what? We only have to hold out till the summer, and then we've got the harms bill. Mm. But is it happening in the summer? You know, I'm I'm often told that sometimes you know what it's like. Oliver Dowden is on it at the moment. He's on it. He's on, you know everywhere. There's a shuffle. Oliver moves up, sidewards downwards, whatever. All the paperwork's there. Someone else goes, oh, I can't bother to read that. Let's start from zero. Yeah. And and that's what has been happening. And and these are the things that you can't fool us with. So tell us, define timelines. Tell us when the change is happening. Tell us when your platform becomes fit for purpose for every human being that wants to use it, by the way, to use it. And then we'll start going, how great Twitter is, how great Instagram is. Yeah. 12-year-olds are getting arrested for racial abuse and on social media platforms. I'm told that you're supposed to be 13 mm-hmm. so, to even sign up. So straight away, there's a problem there, isn't there? Yeah. And yet they, they don't. They don't hold themselves accountable. So again, I'll go in inwards and say, until you can have those difficult conversations where you go, you do know we're getting slaughtered out there. And actually it means something to you. Then everything else is just chat. And yeah. we've seen so much chat over the last two weeks to be honest. And I'm being part of it. So I'm not saying everyone else I've been part of it. I'm just bored.
1: And I want to draw a direct parallel as well with things that we've raised with the terms of, of refereeing abuse. Um, in that you, you look back over the FA's campaigns over the last few years, and they almost have said what they think people want to hear. Yeah, referee abuse is bad, so we're going to do this. Look at Ray Winston; we made a, a little commercial. Ooh, oh, now we've we've highlighted how bad uh, abuse is. We we assume that this commercial is enough to make it stop. Like Facebook saying, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll acknowledge it uh, and, yeah. and we'll we'll do some things." Or we say we will, and that and then it'll just stop. It won't. It's treating. These these big uh, you know umbrellas over the top. They're treating the symptoms instead of like you say, going into the cause of what yeah. and why these things are happening. And and like you said, these are tough conversations that we we need to have because if we don't have them, it's just going to perpetually continue uh, until until the end of time. Breaking point, yeah, a
2: breaking point. Um, well, you know what? but the power of the footballing community now, um, and you throw anyone who you want to in that community who, is, who works in this space, who understands the negativity around this space is not letting this go anymore. I used to always say that I felt like a lone voice. I felt like the only one that was nagging. You know, I felt like oh, every time i you know, I'm, Troy, can you come on those news? And can you, you know, and then people are like, oh, here he goes again. You know, and you know that thing, oh, he's playing the race card, you know, a card that I've never seen before, but he's playing the race card. Now, I actually feel, you know what, there's there's a growth. There's more people who have been empowered. We're, we're, we're actually saying the same things, but in different circles. There's no getting away from it no more, you know. And and for me, if I'm going to take anything out of last summer, you know, we're all in a different period of time now. We're all experiencing things that no one in our lifetime has ever experienced. But the power of last summer for me, and, you know, people want to use it as a negative, is the fact that we've found a voice. We're talking about our experiences. We're not just accepting now the the videos, the statements, the, the 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 sound bites. You know, the let's talk about racism today. You know, let's talk about the impact of victimisation on officials. But we're not accepting the sound bites no more. Be honest. Be clear. Be precise in what you want to achieve, so that we can affect the change that I, I believe ninety odd percent of people want to see. No referee should walk on a football pitch in fear as no black player should walk on a football pitch in fear. Yeah. I Last week, the, the Mendy and Rudiger made them, you know, there was an incident, you know, like, oh, your ball, my ball, your ball, goal. The first thing I did was go onto Instagram, Rudiger's Instagram. Yeah, there it is. The monkey emojis, gorilla, eight, eight. If that's the first thing that is going through my mindset while I'm watching a game of football, what's going through the players' mind? When the incident happens, he's been victimised twice in a short space of time. Alex Tanzabi comes on 92nd minute, 93rd minute, makes a foul halfway up the pitch. Man United defending. Harry Maguire drop, drops deep. He doesn't stay with the line. De Gea comes out with no purpose. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, goal, free free. Who gets the abuse out of all those three players? don't tell me this is not designed by people who, who have racial hatred as their thought process. Okay. No one tell because actually, you know, Instagram says, well, you know, the use of our emojis are not racist. Well, that's because you don't understand what it means to a black person. That's mm. because you don't appreciate and value the impact of just a row of gorilla emojis. Okay. But what you're doing, you're now becoming complicit to it. You are now accepting it and becoming complicit to the hate that exists. So, who's going to hold them accountable?
3: I can't think. And I, no, no, don't ever apologize. This is a beautiful, beautiful podcast. Not only is is what you've, what I I would have called passion, but I get the effectiveness. (laughs) The love, the love of your son coming through as well. And and that is important to flash up. It's just beautiful to see, sorry.
2: But I can't think... Oh, Martin, Martin, I'm sorry I've cut across you again. And if I keep doing it, just, just put my mic yeah. on mute, <laughs> okay? Everyone talks about the racial abuse, but Andros, very similar to your officials, was told to effing die only two weeks ago by a fan, a parent fan, of his, the football team that he represents. Now, he might not see it, it was brought to my attention. I'm a parent. Forever. I take that as a threat. Yeah, uh,
1: forever.
2: Because we don't know the mindset of these people either anymore. No. Mm-hmm. If someone tells you to effing die twice, uh, you know, a period of time when people are losing their lives just like that. Mm-hmm. Loved ones are are losing their. I and mean, you're prepared to talk about someone dying because of something that happened in a football match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And I know no, I, I get, oh, that's, it's just, I just wanted to flash that up, you know, because I, I get affected regards when it's just someone I know who's called me and said, you know, they've done it to my son. And I, and, he, and then I see you in front of me thinking it from a, the football point of view. But I can't think of any reason to have a monkey emoji, positive, a gorilla emoji. I, I, how easy would it be for these to just, you can't use them anymore. Whether that's something that look at is a very small way of just saying, actually, we are going to take, take this seriously We're not going to do that, we're going to... And I talked to, to Anthony the other day about... Um, I used to, used to work with TUI, I and mean, he'll explain a bit more where we're going with this. When I talk now, I'm talking here, my phone's here. If I say TUI, you would guarantee the next time I go on Facebook, an advert for TUI would pop up on my stream. If that power is there already, why haven't he got similar for a word for the abuse? Martin,
2: Martin, they talk about, they talk about, oh, you know, we don't want to do IDs. We don't, you know, we need to protect people's anonymity. And, and I think, rubbish. Mm, you great. know everything you need to know about us anyway. And if anyone believes not, you're fooled. Like you said, you click on one advert and all your social media accounts, by the way, <laughs> Start yeah. flagging up that advert in different ways. Mm. So it's actually—I was, I was going to swear, and I'm so pleased you reminded me at the outset, Troy. Mm. Don't swear because I don't mm. normally swear.
1: I said it's all right. Drop a swear
2: word. <laughs> I'm only going to say bullshit, but I mean that's not even swearing, is it? But it—it—it—it oh, okay. it, 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 it gets. Well, you can tell now. It gets me angry because mm. they keep making the excuses. And for anyone that feels, you know, no, I want to protect my, my identity. I'm not, you know, signing up for this. And I'm not, so- no, I'm not giving them that. They've got it anyway.
3: It means to them, yeah, for money, when it makes them money, when it makes them money, we did it, we used to, because of COVID and everything, we I always we always go with my family. Oh, I'm from Liverpool and then some, we could have gone for ages here. Sorry, but I got another thing that pointed to me is Sky got scouts, scouts, scouts at me. I've been down here 31 years in Somerset. Longer than I was in Liverpool for, still get scouts, scouts, scouts. I still get there's a story about you when know, I being up north, what you said about being in the shop. When I come down here, people say, Oh, scouts and northerners are so much friendlier. And there was a bloke in the, in, in the corner of the bar smoking his pipe with his cap on it. And he went, Scouts, I hate scouts. You're friendly, my ass. He said, You're all nosy. You're not friendly. What do you mean? He goes, If I go up north, I want to be having pints and quiet. I don't want to get. Hey, mates. Where are you from? Where you from? <laughs> and it was really a bit of an awakening for me. I think, well, I would just know it was your friendly, So it depends on where you are <laughs> I get it. And I think with the family, we always we used to go away for a cottage. But don't get all the grandkids together, a big family, typical who come from nothing. And so we want to give something back to the family. We have a cottage in Devon Cornwall. We pay for it. We have the big, the only rule is the big breakfast table, farmhouse where we all meet together. And, and gel. Now, we hadn't been on cottages for years now because of COVID and everything else, and weddings. We talked about cot- cottages, let's do it again. He said to me, Mrs. On a Couch, let's talk for a cottage. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that tomorrow. Went on my Facebook an hour later. All these cottages had come up. I'd done, and I'm thinking, why can't they do that? It's a positive, why can't they say? Anyone who says the N word or whatever that word is, that just kills it, it doesn't go on. It does not go on. I just can't get that story. I can't equate that one.
2: I agree with you. I don't want it to go on, but that tracking system of that individual or whatever they're about to type, have typed, you know, try to send it in. I still want that process in place. Yeah. We've worked with an organization called Signify who gave us an absolutely unbelievable insight into the tech around social media. Okay. How they can track anybody's account, how they can, let's say it's a football uh, situation and this person is connected to a group of fans who are up to no good. They can track the, that. they can track the messages that said let's meet at this at that time. They know the pool of people in that message. Lo and behold, something happens at the ground. They can or outside the ground. they can identify the, the people. So it is not rocket science. It's mm-hmm. not hard to implement. There's organized you know it's funny you know because on my business profile, LinkedIn, <laughs>
1: uh,
2: people are now messaging me saying, we can do this, we can do that. You know, all this technology now, they're coming from all these, you know, we can do, and it's not marketing stuff, it's actual people are now going, Try. I've just seen you talk on social media. What a load of crap. This is my organisation. There's actually people out there who could embarrass our social media companies in the fact that they're still saying to us, we've eliminated, um, uh, you know, the, the monkey emoji, if it has the N-word next to it, and we're trying to make sure that, you know, if players do this, and if, it's not the player's responsibility, it's not... The people that use the platform's responsibility. It's your responsibility.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And the thing is, as well, and we'll we'll come back to the 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 thing. Uh, who's responsible? We've got the technology to eradicate it, but these companies are making a choice to not. Complicit. Yeah, yeah.
0: complicit. I just think it's it's unbelievable how people can can want an, an, an anonymity. If you, if you have an opinion. And you are feeling strong enough about that opinion that you want to share that opinion with the world. You've got to have the courage of your convictions
2: to stand by what you're saying. Well, also, let's look at let's what. If I was to ask you, what is Instagram? What is it for? What's it for?
1: you probably saying. sharing half-naked photos of yourself. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> I'm, I'm with you, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: it's, it, but what's you know? It's sharing images, isn't it? Yeah. It, 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 it's. And uh, I mean, people go on private there, and I think, well, if you're on the platform, you're there to share. It's up to each individual. Though. I'm not going to knock that process. Yeah. No. But if it if it's, if it's an open platform where you 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 know you're there to share your life story, let's just put it this way, your life story, mm. or your business, mm. or you know, you're using it because Instagram is finally gonna gonna pay you money for for posting what I've never gotten art of that. To be fair, I want to have people get paid money, but. <laughs> I just oh, listen. I'm tired. I'm and I'm not tired of you guys. I'm just tired of the conversation of the repetitive nature of what we're trying to achieve on all these platforms. Whether it's the Facebook, which is supposed to be the friendship one, whether it's the Instagram, whether you're showing off, you're in a you know a hotel room in Monte Carlo, but actually you're in Bournemouth, and and whether it's Twitter. I just I'm bored. I'm tired. I'm fed up.
3: And we just say that Bournemouth is also beautiful <laughs> for any. <laughs>
2: That's actually why I said Bournemouth. I was going to say somewhere else, but Brilliant. that's actually what, I know it's a lovely place, <laughs> to be fair, and I would never Absolutely. not
3: go into Bournemouth. So yeah. How oh, And so you remember a while back when we were talking, we had a bit of discussion about this as well, didn't we? And we said about we've all been guilty of not addressing racism as oh, refereeing.
1: Yeah, I know, I know exactly the point that you're going to talk yeah, about I, there.
3: you yeah. sure to show you what, what we talked about.
1: So when I was about 19, 20, I was in university in Wales um, and I was doing refereeing uh, at the weekend's and um, it was rural Wales. It was middle of nowhere, um, and everyone looked like me. Everyone was white, 99% of people. Um, and there was one lad that was playing. Uh, he's a black lad, and as, as it, was just, it was open play. I think everyone was just coming back to defend a free kick or something, and one of the defenders said, yeah, someone mark this darky. And at the time, I heard it clear as day. I was like five meters away from it, and at the time, I didn't address it. I pretended yeah. I didn't hear it. I didn't have the confidence or the—I don't know what it was. We, we've spoken about this in in one of the other podcast episodes, and I I didn't address it. And I looked straight at the player. He looked at me. He looked through mm. me because I had the I had the opportunity, and I should have taken yeah. action. I should have done something, but I didn't. And that stays with me now. You know, yeah. this, this was about yeah. fifteen odd years ago at this point and I still think to that day and I remember the lad's name and everything um and I I just think there needs to be something that is maybe taught at the basic referees course or something as well to say listen oh. it, I, if, if if you don't take action it's it's not I'm not gonna say it, it's as bad but you're you're not taking an opportunity to correct behavior at that moment, which which was racism. Now, I don't think that this this Welsh guy was overtly racist, but he is, by using that choice of, of words, acting in a racist way. Um, and at the time, I didn't address it. It's something I've spoken about with these guys. And I, it's, it's something that needs, again, to be openly talked about. I'm, I'm open and honest with saying I didn't do the, the thing that I should have done that day. And if anyone asks me... Uh, if if I was to do that again, or if that happened to someone in their game, what to do now, having 15 years more confidence and experience and, and conviction in myself and knowing what's right and wrong, how to deal with that. But at that time, and a lot of referees in this country are of that, that age, they're 18 to 24. Um, and would they, if, if they heard it, address it? I'd, I'd like to think, I hope that they would. Um, but I mean, there'll be people out there that see, hear, but don't acknowledge racist behaviour. They'll just go home, not report it. Uh, I think there's something that needs to be kind of you know, given, given yeah. to the, the referees. Just say, listen, you've got the authority to do something. Do it.
2: I remember before Russian, World Russian World Cup, uh, we met with a delegation of um, Russian representatives Um you know, talking about the officials, talking about, you know, everyone was talking about the expectation that it's, it's going to kick off in Russia. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I said straight away. Are your referees prepared? Do they know the sounds that come out of the stadium? Do they know the, the subtleties of that are directed to black players? We're going to make it part of our educational process for our officials come the season afterwards. I've got a colleague who works with me. Um, who's a referee, by the way. Um, We've spoken about it, about, you know, that simple touch point of education. You know, for some reason, I think people think the only ones that need educating are the players and the fans.
3: Mm.
2: They're the only ones that need educating. Players and the fans, that's it. Well, no, actually, we all need to upskill ourselves Mm. when we're talking about, you know, the uncomfortable nature of, like you've said, Aunt there, not challenging something. So how do we redress that? I've said it, amount of people criticise like oh you lot you're just t-shirts that's all you do you know pre- professional players we put on a t-shirt we take it off and we throw it on the floor I said no 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 the t-shirt anyone that wants to advertise a business promote a product whatever it's the best way to do it best of advertising the t-shirt yeah everyone sees it I said but did you ask any questions when you when you put the t-shirt i many to kick man threw you the t-shirt guys put this kick it out t-shirt on today what questions did you ask you know so at that point, you've just chosen to wear the t-shirt and ignore the message. So I'm fed up of players saying, we were just told to wear a kick-out t-shirt uh, once a year. What was you doing? They have a 364. Or if it was elite, a leap year, the 365. So it's easy to blame outwardly. But what about you? Where's your, your, your responsibility in that? You know, you're sitting, uh, I'm not going to name him. It's, you're sitting next to black players who have been victimized, by the way who couldn't share their experience with you because you showed no ounce of wanting to understand what they, what they were going through. And that has existed for years. 15 years ago, I would say, and we were in a space where everyone was uncomfortable. So you were part of the problem that we had as such. We were going, you know what, if it, it's actually better if I don't address it because mm-hmm. I don't bring attention to, I know I'm not having a go here, but you know, I don't bring attention to myself. I, there's a lot of paperwork to fill out and, you, I'm not saying that's the reason you did it but it, it was a period of time when actually it was easier to address not address sorry than to address
1: absolutely I agree yeah you know I,
2: I, I was watching my academy uh, four years ago I'm watching my number 10 who's an excellent player and I'm, I've am i come as a spectator I've stopped coaching at this time and Troy can you come up? So I'm watching I'm watching the 10 he's a brilliant player and he doesn't look happy playing football how could you not look happy playing football? He's going about his business, he's doing a little bit, but he's not, he's not. So half time I went over to him. I said, What's wrong with you? He said, You're bossing the game, but you don't look like you're enjoying it. He's called me the N-word. I said, What? He's called me the N-word. I said, Have you told anyone? I told the referee. Wait there. Ref. My player says that uh he's been called the N-word, but yeah, he told me. Ref, are you like, you're going to, what what have you? Well, I didn't think I'd do anything now. I thought I'd do it at the end of the game. I said, Have you seen the look on his face? And he went, Yeah, I know. Well, what should I do? Now, reflecting on it, I was critical. I was, I hold my hand up, but reflecting on it, that just shows the amount of, of lack of education inputted into the official who didn't know how to deal with the situation. So I said, you should have stopped the game. You should have brought the players together. If you need to bring the coaches in, you should have brought... It's a youth game. Could have brought the coaches in. We could have had this out and maybe it would have stopped it. It continued in the second half. He still didn't do anything. And Troy, so I was... I was
0: just going to say, Troy, I've got something to add to that, actually. Um, you talk about the landscape there initially. and I, 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 I was born in the, in the late 90s and when I had some... Um, racial abuse it was a primary school level and 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 I felt that I felt quite lucky actually and I know that I'm in a less diverse area of the country than maybe some of the people who'll be listening to this and maybe yourself but I still feel very very lucky that that was something that maybe happened once or twice when I was a young lad and I didn't really experience it too much more and then obviously I started becoming a referee when I, when I could qualify and um, to become a referee and last season was the first time I had an incident. It's very, very similar to the one that you described okay. there. And that's why I thought it would be you know, worth me coming in. Yeah. I think the, the, the thing is, I'll say, you know, obviously we, we've spoken here for some time now, quite way through this podcast. And you know that I have an awareness and an appreciation of, of racism and, 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 the, and, the, and that. And I think that for me, I, I remember this happening. It was a set piece. Um, and, the the player the player came straight over to me and said, Look, this is what happened. And I was in a good position for the set piece. Um, and but unfortunately it meant I was in a position where I couldn't hear the exchange of words. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh dear, really is, is what I thought in my head, because I thought, well, I I feel so strongly about this and I really want to take action but I can't because I know I, it's the same as a, a penalty incident that I've missed. I haven't seen it. Okay. I can't take, I can't just give a penalty. You know, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I realized that I had to do something. So what I did is I pulled them both in and I just said, look, I said, at the end of this game, you're both going to come to my dressing room in the presence of my assistants. And you're both going to recount what happened from, from each version of events. And they just said, right. Okay. And and I, Literally, did what I felt was the right thing to do as a referee of, of reasonable experience. What felt right to me was what I did. I, I did what felt right, what, what I thought I should be doing. Um, and then about two weeks after that, the FA came out with official guidance for, for match officials in how to deal with it. And I think there was about 10 checkpoints and I think I'd done nine of them. Out out of Instinct, which I was really pleased about reading it and and I I breathed a big sigh of relief as well because I knew that it was going to come to a hearing and I knew that there'd be some examination of the way that I dealt with it. And I I was worried about that.
2: There's going to be some who won't have those checkpoints. Yeah. I mean, it's great bringing out documentation. Mm. but Where's the physical education? Yeah. You know, in the end, that incident went to hearing. Yeah. And the mitigating circumstance from our point was the referee. Mm. He, didn't, he didn't turn up. Yeah. So all of a sudden, our evidence is on the... Now, what I'm saying here again is, it may come across as, but I'm actually not a blaming... He's a yeah. young ref. I'm not blaming him. You know, if you don't have a directive, you know, what you're saying is there, Nate, is you acted on instinct. Yeah. My instinct goes one, two, three, four. You know what? I've checked nine of, nine of the ten. Instinct. Yeah. Mm. This official didn't have instinct,
0: yeah.
2: Or his only instinct was let's do a bit at the end of the game, yeah. But yet it happened progressively through the game. Mm. So you know, if he'd had the training, if there was training in place, if there was the training, then the guidance,
0: yeah.
2: You know, and and then you judge him on that, don't you? Yeah. But he's had no education. He's not had the guidance. He's now being judged on just making a decision yeah. in the twenty fourth minute that he thought I'll leave it till the end. Yeah. that subjected my player to continuous abuse. Mm.
0: Yeah. the I point think where that we need to maybe think about, could it be a part of the basic
2: referees course? Not just racism, just, but sexism, homophobia. not not could it be. Or should be. Should be. Yeah. Should be. And like you said, all those characteristics. If you want to get on the ladder or continue, you've got to attend... Mm whether it's online, whether it's face-to-face, whether it's Mm -hmm. done by these platforms. The amount of education that has been done by these platforms, by the way, now, because of the state of how how we're all having to live, there's no excuse anymore. There should be no excuse not to upskill people if you're one of those authoritative figures, people in your care yeah, There's no excuse not to upskill people during this period. Exactly. This,
1: is, this is 100% what I've been saying. When you're a referee, you take one exam right at the start of when you do your basic referee stuff. If you pass that? Fantastic. You can referee the rest of your career without having to do any further training.
3: None whatsoever. It's, we, 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 and- we- that's embarrassing. Yeah. Well, we put a look, when we, we, we all the things you're saying about, you get challenged, oh, it's him again, moaning. and I've had that for years as well, just to, to, to the referee, and you think you're just making trouble because you're talking about things you don't do. We put a document to the FA four years ago. They're Love the whistle documents. And in it was, why two referees can tick a box and never ever get trained again? If they're not going for promotion but they don't get assessed... They opt out of any form of CPD, of any yeah. load updates. And then we've said that there's nothing in the laws of the game, that, not, not in the basic referees training course to teach you how to deal with any form of confrontation, never mind, trying to deal with racism yeah. and, and all those. There's nothing. It's, it's nothing we said it. And then you have the chairman of the referees committee, the FA, making the comments that he made that that he apologized for. And Lord usually actually made a comment saying he should be, he should resign. Mm-hmm. He stays in this place. So how can these even say that and addressing it? When well, that individual is still in place now, the worst, thing is, be the
2: worst thing is that that, Martin, it makes it look worse for all of you. Everybody. All of you that wear where the with the official kit with the badge, it makes it because that's your representative almost, as yeah. if you know, he's the one talking on your behalf. Mm-hmm. And, and let's think about it at what stage do they appreciate and again I can't believe I'm backing officials so much here but I am so <laughs> oh, wow. at what stage do they appreciate that <laughs> <laughs> so you are in control of 22 players on the pitch by the way Yeah. and let's say at any stage has anyone looked at the makeup of the 22 players that you officiate you know you know what the uniqueness that they bring to the game which then you've got to manage forget the referee in the game I'm yeah. talking about with the cultures, the backgrounds that the all that, you know. Then you've got the managers. Add the managers to that as well. Then you add you know any other official that's on the top ta- you know from those teams. Yeah, that's a lot to control and manage just in a football perspective. But like we saw with the um, the incident, the PSG incident, it ignites. You know, that's it. One mistake ignites the flame for for. You know, for officials to be criticized. Yeah. You know, and, 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 right. I sorry, think that my, comes again from my battery is running. I didn't expect to be on so long. But I the <laughs> to be fair, I don't think we I did have. either. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just get my charger very quickly. Beats working any day of the week, this conversation.
1: Uh, I yeah. definitely. <laughs> I just, um,
0: now, all I was going to say, Troy, was the fact that, um, you know, I think that that again comes from a misunderstanding. Not, do you know, if I understand, like, the officials communicating in their uh, native language from the from that I think that that's that's something that it's very very hard for people who there's not many people okay who speak Romanian and the, and the group of officials was Romanian and I think that when you have words that maybe sound like something but maybe mean something else potentially I, I'm not yeah, sort of yeah. bending or going either way just when you don't understand fully the language and you, you grip onto one part or another I think that's where things can, can be, you know, magnified and blown out of proportion. And I think that that's, you know, we've been talking a lot about social media here and one comment gets made or one thing happens and everything can be blown out of proportion in an, in such a negative way with, with a lot of these things. And I think that's probably one of the big worries for a lot of people.
2: But now if it happens to the players, you know, Cavani, yeah. you know, had to suffer a free match ban and a and a £100,000 fine for for yeah. language and terminology that in, in his native country mm. is deemed acceptable. Yeah. You know, so, you know, the officials are in a... a, a exactly. you know Someone said to me, you know, there's a... And you guys would... I'm only telling you what someone said to me, so you guys mm. will be able to tell me. There's a briefing. So in the hotel, this obviously it's a Champions League game. You'll get mm. your list of who the representatives will be on the bench, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You get to know the names, you get to know the people. Yeah. So... Effectively, what I was told there should be no excuse to not knowing Pierre Webo's name.
3: I agree with that. 100% I, agree. 100%. I also
0: believe that the directive is, and I don't know whether Martin can back me up on this, I believe the directive is that FIFA officials should communicate in the English language and should yeah. not communicate in their native language on games.
3: Absolutely true. And I think it's almost like when they do this, isn't it? When you see yeah. referees coming around, players coming around, you instantly think something's wrong. Yeah. So, so we're, but we're not talking about grassroots referees here on a basic referees course. We're the elite of the world. And that's they're it. They're prepared to deal with this. So, yeah. Troy said in the beginning about education. I, I think this is a massive failure by the people who train the referees at elite level. They should be fully aware of what you say to people. And if you haven't got the skills to recognize 12 yeah. different who are multi millionaires on telly every week, then I'm sorry that that's a failure of education.
2: Absolutely agree. I mean, listen, everyone talks about education now, and I think sometimes people talk about it with not really knowing what they want. They mm-hmm. just say education, you know? And if you're in, I think I said it earlier, if you're working in this space, if you're, you know, if you're in control of certain aspects, education and understanding and appreciating are just values that you have to have. You have to have. And if you don't have them, then you start going around, whose responsibility is it? Yeah. Whose responsibility is it to, to, to make sure that the officials know, you know, everybody that's in the environment that they will be directing at some stage? Mm. Whose responsibility is for the players to know that certain language and terminology cannot be used even in banter on social media? We all have a responsibility. The game, and ultimately it's the game that has that responsibility. Yeah. And it needs to step up to make it more effective. Yeah. So right. that, that situation out in in you know at PSG, we're all scratching around going, well, oh, should he have known the name? Should he not? Um, should he have used a language? It, it, it should be clear. Yeah. You just said to me, should be speaking in English yeah. um and should know the name. Now, if that's clear to everybody, there mm-hmm. should never be this inquisitive nature. So that stops the rubbish on social media. Mm-hmm. There should never be this inquisitive nature of. I oh, he did wrong. No, he didn't do wrong. He was just calling him, he's the only black person there. He's just calling him, uh, you know, oh, it was in his native tongue. It's Romanian, so he should be able to get away with it. There should never be that debate. No. It should just be clear. And if it's not clear to you because you, you're you not privy to the rules, someone can post it and go, actually, oh, what, it's, it's clear, you know. It's, it's like, pro, it's like professional
0: English. standards in any industry, whether you're a, a, a gas there you car go. or whatever it might be. <laughs>
2: I've used so many words, and you just said professional standards. I need to get better at using a <laughs> lot less words. Hundred uh, percent. Getting straight to the point.
1: And on that point, uh, unfortunately, we have run out of time. I know Martin's got uh, a schedule to be on the BBC in four minutes' time, so oh, we will. will we will oh, have to wrap this one up. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Troy. Uh, we're, we're gonna have to do another episode. Pleasure. I could honestly, I could listen to you for Absolutely. hours, and I'm sure everyone listening could as well. Yeah. Thanks so much
2: for, thanks thanks for really having me on. It. Really appreciate it. I,
3: really appreciate it. Wonderful, beautiful to see how you are about parents, about, about what you would try to educate people. It's great. Shout out to Sky, putting money into it. Yeah. Really stepping up their game in other, other fields. You know, it shouldn't take a TV. No. It should be our governing body. So Sky is probably shamed in my opinion. The FA would expect you to, to agree or disagree with that. But I think it's wonderful. Yes, a really positive, hope Sky helps you move your messages forward and we all come out a better game. So thanks, Troy. Absolute
2: thanks, Troy. pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, really appreciate it. Oh, amazing. Thanks. No Thank worries.
3: you very much.
0: Keep it simple. Get Down to Play today. The UK's leading app for next game availability. Download Down to Play from the App Store and Google Play. This week's Selk podcast was brought to you by Down to Play, the simple app for next game availability. (laughs)